right, friends, don't hit each other in the face grabbing chairs. Once you get your chair, it's got to be on the carpet. So all of y'all in the back, scoot forward. All of y'all in the back, scoot forward. Make sure that your chair is on the carpet. If it's not on the carpet, scoot forward until you are on the carpet. There is plenty of room on the carpet for all of y'all. Y'all, like it's Texas. All right. This is also a perfect opportunity to snag your Bible. If you don't have one, you can grab one from the shelves near the front door. All right. This room's weird. Shift this way. Start scooting yourselves to the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, help us rebalance. The balance is off. Can't have it. Perfectly balanced. All right, friends. We ready to get into God's word tonight? Fantastic. All right. Uh, last week, last week I had the privilege of preaching not only here in J High, but also downstairs in high school. So this week, I've asked our incredible high school director, Jacob Rasmussen, to preach in J High, as well as high school. Some of you know Jacob if you've been to summer camp. Some of you might know him by a nickname that is not his name at all. Just a random name that people started calling Jacob for no reason whatsoever. But just like if it was me up here, I want you to lock in and pay attention to what Jacob has to say because he's bringing God's word to you. So see lots of journals out already. I love it. If you're going to be on your phone, make sure it's Bible app. I know the twins are playing right now. Try not to be distracted by that. Score update, Caden. Ah, all right. That's, I mean, you realize that's over, right? That's, that's over. Uh, let's lock into this moment. Let's be here for this moment. Let's get into God's word together. All right. Yeah, hey, friends. I'm Jacob. I have the awesome privilege of serving here as the high school director. That means, hopefully, that I'll get to see all of you guys within the next three years, maybe next year, two years from now, whatever it is. And hey, you, you probably notice there's something going on here. And uh, over this past weekend, I was getting like really excited for tonight's message because I knew that I was going to be sharing a little bit about my love for the Minnesota Vikings. You know, I thought I'd be able to get up here and, and, and boast about an epic win over the weekend. I, I legitimately believe we beat the Super Bowl team. We would silence all the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey nonsense. I don't know, Danny, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, and, and I thought we would prove all the haters wrong. But despite the heartbreak, my love for the Vikings still remains. And my love for the Vikings is something that's been pretty obvious for a lot of my life. 
it's one of those things that can like become an idol if I'm not careful, if I don't take a step back every now and then and be like, all right, how much weight does the Viking success really carry in my life? Like, like whether they win or lose, does that really need to impact my week so much? As embarrassing as it is, I would even say that before I met Jesus, the Vikings were like part of my identity. I remember being a freshman in high school and my entire wardrobe rotated around which piece of Vikings apparel I was wearing that day. Uh, I used to create, create Vikings highlight videos on YouTube. Some that, you know, have a couple hundred thousand views. I'm not going to talk too much about that. But I also brought this helmet along with me tonight for some show and tell. Simply because one year for Christmas, this helmet was the number one item on my wish list. It's literally just a helmet that sits on a shelf, collects signatures, also that I could have like a piece of my team with me. So my passion, my passion for the Vikings goes so deep that I'm even passionate about my dislike of rival teams. Uh, I always say my favorite team is the Vikings and whoever plays the Packers that week. Like, I cheer for the downfall of the Packers just as much as I cheer for the Vikings. I know um, one of my buddies, uh, Evan's in this room somewhere. He's a Packer fan, so I guess they're not all terrible. And then, of course... I vowed that I would never marry a Packer fan. And I can testify that the Lord is good, and, and that is not the case. So here's what, here's what all this has to do with, with tonight. Like, moral of the story, I live and breathe Viking football. And, and here's the point, Jehai. What we think about tells us what we're passionate about. See, I'm passionate about this team Therefore, they take up space in my mind. I rep them proudly, especially Kirk Cousins. He's my quarterback. I talk to people about the Vikings all the time. I love this team. Therefore, I'm zealous, and I will take personally the defeat of the rival enemy. And, and even if you're not a Vikings fan or, or even a football fan, what's true of all of us is that what we think about most shows us what we're most passionate about. And why you need this message tonight is because our passions are misplaced. What we think about most shows us what we're most passionate about, and your passions are misplaced. My passions are misplaced. I'm passionate even about myself. I want to look good, feel good, be liked, be admired, be the best. And so, man, I think about myself a lot. I'm passionate about other people's opinions because I want to feel approved of. And I think constantly about how I can impress people. I got to admit, I'm passionate about sugar. I love sweets. I have a sweet tooth, and so I'm constantly thinking about my next satisfying dessert. Candy, Reese's, chocolate milk, I don't know, man. It's all of it. It's so good. But friends, in the end, all of these things, especially the Vikings, they leave me disappointed. Maybe, maybe you relate to some of those. Maybe you're passionate about those things. You, you think about things like that. Or maybe you're one of those like mysterious people who's like, I'm passionate about not being passionate about anything. Like, don't mess with me. I don't care. Wherever you're at, whatever, whatever like consumes your mind, whatever you think about, 
It shows what you're passionate about. And your passions are misplaced. Friends, the Bible tells us that the God who created us has also put eternity in our hearts. That's Ecclesiastes 3.11. We were created to think about and long for eternity. We were designed with a God-sized hole in our hearts that only he can fill. And we try to fill it with so many other things that disappoint. Friends, in other words, we were created to think about God. The cool thing for us tonight is that God thinks about us. Just like us, God's thoughts reveal his passions. God's thoughts reveal our passions. We're going to wrap up this series called Known Tonight, where we've walked through what is called King David's most excellent of the Psalms, Psalm 139. We've talked about how we don't have to be afraid to be known because being both fully known and fully loved are possible in a relationship with God. In week two, we talked about how even when we try to hide from God, he always holds on to us. And he's never leaving us. Last week, Danny talked about how our identity is so deeply connected with the way God made us and his purpose for us. And friends, as we wrap up tonight, I just hope that you would come away knowing that your identity, who you are, is truly found and is completely secure in being known and loved by God. So now we're going to move into the last section. But we're just going to focus in on verses 17 and 18. So that's about halfway through your Bible. Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. Go ahead, flip there if you got a Bible. If you don't, We'll got it on the screen so you can follow along. Sweet, guys. As you flip there, I'll just read. Uh, David is praying to God, and he says this. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast is their sum. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast is their sum. David is praying this prayer, and, and what he's doing is he's thinking about the fact that God thinks about him. And I said a few moments ago that God's thoughts, just like ours, tell us about our passions. They reveal his passions. And I think, I think the heartbeat of this passage the big idea for tonight is that God is passionately concerned with you. God is passionately concerned with you. He's passionate about you because we see that he thinks about you. And that's significant. Friends, the, the God who thought up the idea of stars and oxygen and oceans and galaxies and then spoke them into existence, thinks about you. That matters. And he thinks about you a lot. In junior high, that should impact how you live. That should sink into your identity, who you are. And here's why. 
My first point is that God's thoughts outweigh all others. In the first half of verse 17, there's a few things at play here. First, you'll notice a word that David used to describe God's thoughts. In verse 17, it's the word precious. It means weighty, heavy. God's thoughts are precious, and like precious metals, like gold. They are beautiful, and they are heavy. They're not cheap. They're valuable and significant. I want you to, I want you to picture a, a balanced scale, something like you might use in like science class or, or maybe at the grocery store or something like that. And, and on this scale, right, there's, there's two sides. There's one place to put an item, and there's another place to put the item, and they're balanced in the middle. And so with that picture in your mind, we see here David is weighing God's thoughts towards him. God's thoughts towards David. And as he does this, David finds that God's thoughts weigh down the scales. Picture this for yourself. On one end of the scale is all of your thoughts. All of your thoughts about God, all of your thoughts about yourself, about your friends. And on the other side is all of God's thoughts for you. Which of your thoughts to God does God weigh down? Which, which of your thoughts does God's thoughts weigh down? Maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you have thoughts about anxiety. And God's thoughts of protection for you are precious, and they outweigh your anxiety. Maybe, maybe you have nervous thoughts about the future. God has precious thoughts about your future that outweigh your hesitations. Maybe you have thoughts about your worth, your identity. Friends, God's thoughts about you as your creator far outweigh your doubts and insecurities. They're way more significant. And, and these aren't just like great, big, significant thoughts to be amazed at up there in the heavens far away. No, these are, these are thoughts that are personal and real for you. And they tip the scales of your own thoughts. That's why they're precious. That's why they outweigh all others. And secondly, in that same sentence, we get the sense from David that God's thoughts for us are difficult to comprehend. Another translation literally reads, God, how difficult your thoughts are for me to comprehend. The fact that this creator God fully knows us, never leaves us, created every part of us and thinks so often and even well of us is too wonderful to comprehend. As David prays, it sounds as though he's caught up in the wonder of God's passion for him. Because just like us, what God thinks about reveals his passions. And so I'd ask you the question, is it hard to comprehend God's passion and love for you? Many, many of you have probably heard this before. Um, it's a quote, and I, I love this quote. I think it's super popular, and uh, it's from the theologian A.W. Tozer. In this quote, it says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I think generally, 
That's pretty much the case. It's so important what we think about God. Our thoughts about God really do say a lot about who we are. But I also know that every now and then there are seasons of life where what I think about God is completely wrong. Whether it's distorted by sin, lies, distractions. And so I feel like there must be something more to that. Another guy you might have heard of, C.S. Lewis, he's a famous author and theologian. He said something that I believe gives us a more complete understanding of what's generally true in Tozer's quote. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, I read the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think of God. By God himself, it is not How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. Indeed, how we think of him is of no importance except insofar as it is related to how he thinks of us. So C.S. Lewis is letting us know that that A.W. Tozer's quote is true and significant as long as we get the first part right, that God thinks about us. And God's thoughts outweigh all others' thoughts. His thoughts are supremely important in understanding who we are and who he is. And so I would encourage you tonight, later after this message, start thinking about how God thinks about you. Use Psalm 139. It's David's prayer. Make it your prayer. Use it as a jumping off pad to talk to God about his thoughts for you. And as you do that, I know that you will experience the passionate love of God. Now, not only does David contemplate the weight of God's thoughts, how significant they are, but he also speaks to the amount that God thinks of him. And so with that, my second point tonight is God's thoughts outnumber all others. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast is their sum, it says. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. God's thoughts outnumber all others. We see at the end of verse 17 into verse 18 that if we added up every single one of God's thoughts for you, they would be innumerable. We could not count them. David uses a tangible example to put it into perspective. He says God's thoughts for him outnumber the grains of sand. I don't know if y'all remember at retreat, but I kind of went science mode, or sorry, summer camp. I went science mode on all of you and talked about the Milky Way and the stars and the planet. Yeah, you guys know. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to some science tonight. So, so hang with me here. We're going to go big again. Guys, science tells us that there are approximately between 500 million and a billion grains of sand in one cubic foot. That's like give or take if you were to put a box like perfectly around this helmet, like that's like a cubic foot-ish. 500 million, a billion grains of sand in that one chunk of sand. Chunk of sand. If we take that and we estimate how many grains of sand there are on the entire planet, Friends, we would get seven quintillion, 500 
quadrillion grains. I got that number on the screen so you can see how fat that thing is. Seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion. All right, let's try to get our head wrapped around one quintillion. One quintillion. Let's start with that. That is one with 18 zeros behind it. But here's a, here's a crazy thing I came across as I researched this. I was like, how can I, how can I understand what that number is? There was a question. And the question was, how long would it take for humanity, humanity, to speak one quintillion words? That many words there on the bottom. Studies have shown that men speak about 7,000 words a day. And women speak about 20,000 words a day. All right. Guys, that averages to about 13,500 words a day per person. So we take 13,500 words per person per day. We multiply that by approximately 7.1 billion, at least when this study came out. That was the population of the earth. And you multiply that, and you get 96 trillion words spoken by humanity every day. 96 trillion in a day. But this... This is where it comes to a, a T right here. With that, with that rate, 96 trillion words a day by all of humanity, it would take 28 years and seven months for all of humanity to speak, to utter one quintillion words. Crazy. I love that. Now, that's one quintillion. There are over seven quintillion grains of sand on this earth. So we're going to go a little bit further. Hang with me, guys. If you could somehow get all of the grains of sand, seven, seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand. If you could get all of that into one container and somehow count each grain for, let's say, you know, two grains of sand per second, you know, nonstop, day and night, it would take us 120 billion years to count every grain of sand. That is incomprehensible. Here's why this matters. Here's why this matters. Can we throw the passage up again? There's no wonder when we look at that, why David says, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast is their sum. How precious they are. Because if you add up all those grains of sand, it still wouldn't be enough. You ever thought about how many thoughts you have? On a high end, it's about 70,000 a day. Y'all might be pushing like 20K. You guys didn't even get that. It's fine. No, I'm just kidding. You guys are awesome. Um, hey, out of those 70,000 thoughts, most of them are negative, about 80%. And about 95% of them are repetitive thoughts from the day before. I think that's why I'm a Vikings fan. Negativity and repetitiveness. Every week, we lose. This is what it is. But for you guys, I would ask you, out of 
all of those 70,000 thoughts, maybe one of yours is something like, hey, school's overwhelming right now. What's happening on social media? What, what, what do they think about me? How can I look cooler at school? Am I weird? What if it doesn't work out? Friends, hear this. For every single one of those thoughts, every single one of your thoughts, God has infinitely more for you. And that matters. Y'all, David ends verse 18 by praying, when I wake up, I am still with you. When I wake up, I'm still with you. There's a professor named Willem van Gemeren, and he writes this about David's words. He says, the thoughts about the greatness of God's love are like a dream. But unlike a dream, God's love is real. When awake, the psalmist David knows that he still enjoys God's presence. And so as precious and weighty and incomprehensible and vast the thoughts of God for you are, we know that it's not a dream. It's a reality. We don't have to pinch ourselves. It's true. God thinks about you like this. When we, when we come to the end of ourselves and when we feel like life is a nightmare or when we're literally in a nightmare, we can wake up and know that, that what's real is God thinks about us. And that reveals his passion for us. And with that, my last thought tonight is just to remind you again that God is disproportionately more passionate about you than all others. God is disproportionately more passionate about you. And friends, we know that that passion that God has has been proven on the cross of all the infinite thoughts that God has had for you, there's one that's the most important. It's the thought that he had of you as he died on the cross. Did you know he thought about you in that moment too? Before you were even born. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, passionately gave up his life to save you and rose again so that your identity as child of God, image bearer of God, friend of God, could be restored. And that's the good news. The person of Jesus is the greatest thought that we could ever have. Greater than the Vikings, your friends, what you think about yourself, sugar, any of those. He never leaves us empty. And so let's set our minds on him. Let's be passionate about him because he is far more passionate about us than we'll ever be of him. So Lord, I thank you for this night. Thank you for these J-High students. I pray that as they break up now and look at this passage, Lord, that, that you would show them how precious your thoughts are about them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, there's one question I'm going to put up on the screen. What does God think about you? I want you guys to break up. I'll let Danny kind of direct, but I want you all to break up into some groups and, and open up Psalm 139 and, and pray through that and, and ask God, what do you think about me? And, and talk or think about whether your answer is true.
Thanks, guys, for having me. See you later. Okay, so circle up some chairs. You don't have to go far. Just circle up some chairs with some people next to you and, and unpack this question a little bit. Unpack this question. What does God think about you? If you're struggling with what God thinks about you right now, maybe talk about that with your friends. And then I'll, and then I'll close us. Then I'll close us. We actually have a testimony someone wants to share tonight. So break into your groups. Talk about for a couple minutes. What does God think about you? We're not playing basketball. We're not playing nine square. We're doing this. This is what we're doing. We're not playing nine square. We're not playing basketball. This is what we're doing. Break up into groups. Talk about what does God think about you? And then to close our night, I'm going to invite Ellie King up to share a testimony. So uh, break into groups just with the people around you and, and discuss what does God think about you?